there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. Hope you enjoy the long holiday weekend. Now it's back to reality. My kids went back to school today. Did yours? It was, I mean, it's such a shit show getting everybody out of the, the house. You forget, you know, you wake up, it's still dark outside. It's about to get even darker as fall sets in. Everybody's tired. We went to get my little guy Thatcher up this morning and Doug said, Thatcher, come on, it's time to pop. He goes, I don't want to pop. I want to stay a colonel. <laughs> it's, everyone's tired. And then you won't be surprised to learn. Um, we, we come downstairs, we're back in Connecticut and, uh, I'm getting the kids breakfast, Doug's getting the kids breakfast, everything, blah, 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 blah. And I look over and Strudwick had done an enormous dump in my living room. And he has diarrhea. Why? My dog. He's so bad. I know. I love him, but good God, he's so bad. Anyway, it's not just us all across the country today. Dogs are crapping. Kids are complaining and going back to school. And let me tell you, folks, you need to pay attention this year. If you think you can just ship them off by bus, by car, by foot, by bike and not pay attention, think again. Some of our worst fears about education and indoctrination are confirmed, are being confirmed by the day. Thanks to God bless James O'Keefe. Okay, God bless this guy. Thanks to Project Veritas. He doesn't care what they say about him. He he continues to put his reporters undercover and to unearth people's true character. And now he's taken focus on educators, on administrators at our nation's K through 12 schools, just in time again for the reopening. Um, They published one video of a school administrator at one of New York City's most elite schools. I mean, literally, this school is considered the number one school in the nation by a lot of ranking ranking systems and so on. It costs sixty thousand dollars a year to go there. Trinity is the school. Uh, And he's got this administrator admitting that she sneaks her left wing agenda into the classroom. She intentionally silences conservative voices. And that's not even close to the worst of it. Here is just a sampling of this woman's views, including the suggestion, <laughs> so funny, that they should get a serial killer to kill the white boys. It's definitely a school where conservatives would not feel comfortable. Unfortunately, it's the white boys who feel like very entitled to express their opposite opinions and just push back. Well, there's a huge contingent of them that are just like horrible. And you're, are you always going to be horrible? Or are you just going to be horrible right now? I don't know. Is there any saving these Republican, like, white guys? Is, yeah. I think they need to go. No, I think they're really awful people. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I, I'm afraid of with my white students that are rich. I'm like, do you ever have to deal with this? They're so protected by capitalism. 
but it makes me sad. So Why you can find some like Dexters who are gonna like go together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wonder how many the like. Yeah. Oh no. There's something wrong with her. There's something wrong with Jennifer Norris. Uh, for the record, she's now been placed on paid leave while they investigate at Trinity. Sixty grand a year to get Jennifer Norris to think about murdering your child because he's white and a boy. <laughs> Joining me now are friends from the Fifth Column podcast, Matt Welsh, editor at large for Reason Magazine, Michael Moynihan, a correspondent for Vice News Tonight, and Camille Foster of Free Think Media. Welcome back to the show, guys. Can you believe this woman? Thanks for having absolutely. us, Maggie. <laughs> I yes. absolutely believe this woman. <laughs> right? My daughter, that, my daughter goes thing. to uh, a private school in, in uh, New York, and um, she hasn't started yet, as, as yours have. She starts later this week. I, to, I think they sent her off to uh, Havana to cut sugar cane for the first week, and then they come back, <laughs> and then they, they, they do the indoctrination. But no, there's literally nothing surprising about this. Um, you know, and look, I'm gonna get, I'll get hate mail for this. I'm not a huge fan of the technique that uh, James O'Keefe uh, uses, and there's nothing surprising about this to me. It's a private school. You should actually know this, and you're paying for this stuff. And I hope that kind of wakes people up and says, you know, maybe your $60,000 is better spent elsewhere. Now, keep in mind, this is the school that Eric Trump went to, um, Oliver Stone went to. I mean, there's a, there's a long list of kind of luminaries and uh, rather wealthy people Katie that Kirk went there. Kids there. But, you know, the crazy thing about it is the I can't remember the exact phrase and you'll correct me if I'm wrong on this. And she said, you know, it's it's the white boys with their other views, their opposite views. Does she understand what school is for? Because apparently she doesn't. There's like wait, there's one view and there's these kids who are diverging. I guess they should all be murdered. But there's kids with these, divergent <laughs> views, these other views, which she then I believe blames on capitalism. Right. I don't understand. I don't understand anybody. So more than I'm more offended that the entire argument is incoherent. Yeah. I, you know, it, she's straight out of central casting, I have to say. You know, she's got like the nose ring and she's got sort of the gender neutral appearance and the, you know, she's like the boys, the boy, the white boys in particular are the problems. So what they all need to look like you in order to be accepted at Trinity School. Um, well, she, they all need to certainly she, think like you. Um, and I don't know how James O'Keefe manages to get like his staff to continue getting these administrators to speak so openly about their views. But I have to think they're they're just pretty close to the surface for them to be talking so openly like this. There's no like hushed tones. She's proud of it. So I, I would love to talk to James about his strategy and tactics. And what, what it seems like is there's a lot of honey traps taking place. And you will often find that there are these men wow. divulging their secrets to someone who sounds like a young woman who I presume, you know, is it at least an eight or a 10 um, or sorry, eight, an eight or a nine. Yeah. Camille's um, like, this, you, this isn't my first rodeo. Nine, I know how this goes. Sort of, <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. just saying that's that's sufficiently enough to kind of entice you to start spilling the beans and sharing all your secrets. Um, but but apparently willing to do this with both genders. 
doesn't quite care about your sexuality, but I imagine there's a lot of kind of hot or not fishing going on. Uh, in order but it's to amazing to me, like you, because there's so many questions and we're going to show you some of the tapes. And by the way, I think we are, we're having James O'Keefe join us later this week. Um, so I'll ask him. But it's amazing to me how many questions the undercover journalist asks these administrators about liberal versus conservative. How do you do it? How do you keep them, you know, the Republicans, the speakers and so on out of the school, out of the class? And they, they never catch on. If somebody had me, like it just kept <laughs> tweaking over and over. I think at some point I'd be like, holy shit, I better put down this margarita and maybe rethink yeah. this date. In fairness, <laughs> not everyone is expecting to have their kind of date uh, surreptitiously recorded <laughs> by people trying to smoke them out at a private school. I mean, the, I, you know, this is you can find monocultures in a lot of different places in this country. And God knows the New York City school system, as all of us uh, here have had experience with it, with the exception of Camille, but he's been close enough mm-hmm. to it. Um, God knows that that can be a monoculture and just filled with jargon. I recommend if anyone hasn't to read George Packer's Atlantic piece that was like five trillion words long from three or four years back talking about navigating what turns out to be kind of my system uh, uh, in Brooklyn. Um, you just like uh, uh, most normal people would read this and say, my God, I don't even recognize the language that's being spoken. But you can find monocultures in a lot of different places with a lot of different slants on it. I don't think James O'Keefe will be uh, going in the middle of Kansas somewhere to try to, to find, you know, uh, if there's a conservative place that like, yeah, you know, these, these, these liberals that come over here, we got to do something with them. In fairness, I don't think that that place necessarily exists, no, uh, but neither do I. there's something neither about, there's something about that process, which, which uh, strikes me as a little bit uh, sketchy. Um, this is confirming something that we've seen. And, and for the rest of the country, looking at this saying, oh my God, this woman is from Mars. No, she's from New York. This, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is, yeah. that's uh, the thing. And, so it's like, all right. So I realize James has gotten criticism for the tactics they use, but I, I stand by what I said. God bless this guy, because we do need to see it. It's like the Disney situation where somebody pressed record on that executive and pe- people didn't have to suppose anymore about Disney's secret agenda. It was all on camera, just like we don't have to suppose now, like these teachers who then wind up blaming libs of TikTok for taking something they said on Instagram out of context. No, I can see you say what context makes your joke about hiring a serial killer to take out the white boys? What context could make that better? I understand you think that's an appropriate joke as the mother of two white boys. I tell you, you can fuck right off. I'm sorry, but I don't, if you're not funny, <laughs> your school sucks. And what lunatic would pay $60,000 a year to send their child there? I don't care if you're liberal or not. All my friends are liberal. That most of them will be really <laughs> deeply offended by this shit. These lunatics have access to our children and it's alarming. And so, again, God bless James O'Keefe and this crazy lunatic at Trinity. Um, I'll give you one more soundbite before I get on to her buddy in Connecticut. Everywhere I go. These lunatics are, you guys. <laughs> I moved to Connecticut. Now there's another it's guy It's a 200 here. mile radius. So you got to get out of it. It's <laughs> just a problem. Uh, it's a long story. All right. Here's the second soundbite we cut from this person, Jennifer, um, about how even at Trinity, okay, which is already, as you point out, in the New York City private school system, far left to begin with, okay? But even there, she's having trouble because she's she's finding she has to sneak some of her left-wing agenda in because apparently there's at least some person there who's like, well, we might have to not do like the craziest stuff. Here she is, soundbite two. Like, there's always groups of teachers who are like, I want to do these things, but the administration just wouldn't let us. 
So we've been sneaking things in in the, in the cracks. I just keep trying to like disrupt whoever I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that I'm in this position, I have so many opportunities to do that. But I said, there are some speakers I am not even going to put on the plate for yeah. them. And if that's a problem, I, I cannot be in charge of that. Yeah. And he was like, no. He said, this isn't a time for the like both sides. Like He said, we're not in that place in our society. I like him. He's, so, he's your dean, you said? He's the principal of the high school. So you guys wouldn't let cons- Republican perspectives on campus. That's crazy. <laughs> and then she talks about how if you sneak off campus to go do a demonstration, you're supposed to get suspended or you're supposed to get a detention. But she makes detention really fun. And they just talk about social justice activities while there. <laughs> I mean, you wonder why you get these lunatics on the college campuses and then running corporate America. This is the pipeline, guys. This is the pipeline exposed. It's the, well, it's the, the pipeline. pipeline. The pipeline is, is the public education system. Trinity, the people who are coming out of Trinity aren't necessarily going to be those people. They're going to be Oliver Stone. They're going to be like uh, investment <laughs> bankers who live in your neighborhood, uh, Megan. Um, it's the people I'm worried about, the uh, people who are spending my money uh, to do this and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and teaching my kids in this case. Um, that pipeline, which contains a lot of the similar things, you know, there's a place in, in a, a school in Manhattan that uh, told kids in middle school uh, in the morning, all right, let's everyone segregate by race. And then we're going to go and talk about, you know, our various experiences. Hold on, you are a public school doing this. Um, uh, th- that's where I think the locus of our uh, upset should be, because we have the ability to target that and to and affect that with um you know, kicking people out of school boards in this case in places like San Francisco and elsewhere. Um, and All it right. is a real Matt Welsh. It is a real uh, Matt Welsh, if it is public schools you want, it is public schools you're going to get because <laughs> James O'Keefe <laughs> has been busy on behalf of private school students, though. No, you're wrong. It's a problem in both places, because let's say you live in an area where the where the public schools are crappy. And so you really feel like you ha- you got to put your kid in a public school or private school or Catholic school, what have you. This problem is becoming universal. So, you know, you flee and then the problem pops itself up again. You flee and then here it is again. Like I, I've experienced this myself right now. Our schools are not indoctrinating quite as badly as New York. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone here. Um, but, you know, the problem of left leaning administrators who want to force their political views on your children is pretty much universal. So let's go public. This is not my my school district I'm taking you to. But James O'Keefe uh, went to. I believe it's the Cost Cobb Elementary School, public in Greenwich, Connecticut, and gets this guy. Oh, my. Speaking of honey pot, right? Is it honey pot or honey trap, Camille? Honey trap? <laughs> honey pot. Honey, honey, cra- honey, honey, honey trap. You hope you get honey. the honey pot as well, I suppose. But I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, that's definitely what happened to the assistant principal of Cost Cobb Elementary School, who's you can just tell he's got his margarita. You can't see the woman he's talking to, but she looks kind of hot from what you can see. <laughs> she has a hot voice. She has a good arm. And uh, yeah. <laughs> he is clearly drunk on his own margarita and uh, <laughs> talking about how. Well, let's kick it off with the one that started to make all the news, which is he doesn't want to hire Catholics. You got to screen out all the Catholics, which, by the way, sir, just FYI, is illegal. OK, here it is. So then what do you do with the Catholics? If you find out someone is Catholic, then what? <laughs> so would you, you don't hire them, hire he said. 
I agree, but why not? Because um, it's just that there's only that if you were raised on the court, it's like a language, a matter of language. So I feel like something new, like a new opportunity, Okay, I left that playing because our YouTube audience will see it later and they can see it's all transcribed. But for the listening audience, here's what happened. He said, I'm not a huge expert on religion. Protestants in this area are probably the most liberal. But if they're Catholic, conservative, the journalist says, what do you do with them? He says, you don't hire them. She says, would you ever hire a Catholic then? No. He says, no, I don't want to. Because if someone's raised hardcore Catholic, it's like they're brainwashed. You can never change their mindset. So when you ask them to consider something new, like an opportunity, or you have to think about this differently, they're stuck, just rigid. Um, That's, as I say, illegal, as is his on the record statement to her that he only hires younger He'll only go younger because older <laughs> might mean more conservative. So he will never interview somebody who is older. He That's likes amazing. them under 30. That's, I mean, I need that to be a two camera shoot, by the way, because for me, <laughs> it's six margaritas. If she's hot enough, I'm joining ISIS. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I, they, they made some mistakes in, in Iraq, but let's let's move on. Um, no, this is this is amazing because this is always an experiment that I do. Catholics, of course, you know, last name Moynihan, maybe I have some bias here. Catholics are always (laughs) getting it uh, in in this case. But imagine if the news story, if this wasn't James O'Keefe, if this was anyone else, and the administrator on a secret tape was saying, you know who I really won't hire because they're very, very conservative? Muslims. Muslims are really, really bad on gay marriage and Muslims are just bad in general. This would be a cover story in every newspaper in America. But you can have that sort of religious intolerance when it comes to Catholics, because, you know, it reminds people of Amy Coney Barrett or something. I just I don't I don't understand where, where mm-hmm. this is coming from. But just to, I, I do appreciate the fact that he doubles down and says, you know what, the previous one was like, Talk, was was legitimately racist, saying we're talking about white students in the entire race of students. These whites are bad. And then you move on to, you know, this religious discrimination. OK, let's throw another <laughs> thing in there and say we don't want the olds. Yeah. Why? If this guy has a job as of tomorrow. And again, this is all presuming that these tapes are not edited. I don't know. I haven't seen them. Um, but if this is as it is presented, one would presume that this person would be out of a job. But but the lesson to everybody is, you know, don't be don't discriminate uh, in religion, uh, race, uh, age, and don't get drunk with strangers and talk about your job. <laughs> I, like, who like does this? Kind. I mean, it reminds I mean, I me do, of but, you know. a couple of years ago, people kept getting caught like by their accomplices. They kept getting, you know, their accomplice to their crime would get them on tape and turn them in. There was like a, a rash of those, a wave of them. And um, somebody on Twitter had such a great response to one of the cases where the accomplice had gone back and gotten their co, you know, partner in crime to confess to it all. They saying, um, it just pro tip. If your accomplice in a crime comes back to you and tries to get you to repeat everything you did, you remember when we robbed the bank? Remember when you held the gun? You, you, the only proper response is no. That is not a thing. <laughs> it has a huge flower on their lapel. It, the incredible <laughs> thing about this is the question. The questions are literally like, "So what you are saying is yes." <laughs> this guy is too drunk to be like, 
wait a second, do you work for James O'Keefe? No, no, no. What, what he hears is, oh, she's really listening to me. She's yeah, really yeah, into exactly. this. Yes. This is this is actually something you have to wonder about. I don't know how much of the things that they're saying are actually true or the things they imagine this person wants to hear. In yeah. either case, you're willing mm-hmm. to say it and you're not mm-hmm. re- you're not revolted by it, which suggests mm-hmm. that there's something defective about the culture um, or the cultural milieu that these people exist in, which it's worth underscoring here that we've had extensive conversations about bans and prohibitions on the kinds of things that can happen in classrooms. But ultimately, what this boils down to is what is happening in the culture. And if you are not actively kind of having these arguments in the culture, shifting the needle um, with respect to the kinds of ideas people are willing to entertain, um, you're ultimately not going to be in a great place to make a huge dent in the, the kind of philosophy that is animating these particular concerns and the, mm-hmm. the fact that people want to exist in these monocultures, that teachers are determined in many instances to circumvent prohibitions on discussing divisive concepts, for example, um, and find ways to inculcate it into their classrooms, to talk about it with students, um, finding actually quality, high quality, serious a- academic institutions that are interested in kind of complexity and nuance and genuine diversity, like that's a legitimate challenge um, that we're all faced with. And there is no shortcut to getting there. Mm. And and yet they're going to one day encounter a bunch of conservatives who have had to wrestle with the other side for their entire existence because that's all they've been exposed to. So they're they're argument abilities get better. Their intellectual reasoning, logical reasoning abilities get better. Just to add on to this guy, the cost cop, he's been placed on uh, administrative leave while they investigate. But I have to say, both of these schools sound more pissed off about the James O'Keefe recording than they do about what their teachers said. I, I mean, I wouldn't be one bit surprised if both schools reinstate these administrators and let their ongoing access to children continue. So this guy, cost cop says, um, Uh, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to ask about the politics, but I've found a way around it, says brags to the girl. I haven't hired a conservative yet. Um, He said he complains he can't get past the parents as much as he would like to because they're so nosy and try to intrude between his direct conversations with the students. He talks about how it doesn't matter what um, anybody thinks about it. If oh, he says it doesn't matter what the students think about. If they think about anything in a progressive way, that becomes their habit. It's subtle, but they get the democratic messages in there in that way. I mean, he That's this is his game plan. Go ahead, Matt. Terrible. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible and it does matter to these people ultimately because they're going to find that their the piece of cheese that they're sitting on is getting smaller by the day because people like Megyn Kelly take their kids out of the public system. Um, actually, you can take them out of New York. Um, I've taken one of my two kids out of the public system in New York. Um, you're seeing uh, across the country, but especially in big cities, an unprecedented decline in enrollment. And um, funding for public schools is tethered to enrollment. It didn't bounce back after the pandemic because precisely a bunch of parents suddenly got uh, started paying a lot more attention to what was being taught in schools and they couldn't believe it. 
they couldn't believe that in, in the teeth of like, you know, mm. uh, unprecedented closures, the likes of which we did not see almost anywhere else in the Western world, that the things that their schools wanted to communicate them was how to develop their kids as anti-racists and just sort of buying into a bunch of Ibram X. Kendi ideology. Like, like no, how, tell us about the plan for opening the schools and counteracting what we've now mm -hmm. seen from last week, an absolutely historic decline mm -hmm. in uh, reading and math acquisition. Tell us about that a little right. bit before you do your activist stuff. And people are voting with their feet and leaving, and it's going to be an absolute wipeout yeah. for yeah. teachers' jobs. They're not going to have as many. And you should all go to the fifth column Substack and subscribe so can Matt can take his other kid out of the public school <laughs> and into a private school because the P Patrice Lumumba Academy that she goes to needs to be shut down. No child the interesting thing that we're not even pointing out is that this is elementary school, correct? The cost cop one is elementary yeah. school? Elementary, and that, yep. that is the, the deeply offensive thing. At least kids who are 16, 17, 18 have a fighting chance and can push back against this stuff. Elementary school kids don't, and they have no concept of this stuff, is that this is the great thing. And I've seen this actually in New York schools. It's actually true, is that monocultures produce kids who want to subvert them because kids don't just sit there yeah. and say, I love the teacher. I want to do exactly what the teacher says, is that this is actually the backlash that's happening. And I've seen it amongst teachers. I mean, I've seen it among students and I've seen it amongst, you know, friends, kids who are like, you know, being red pilled at 16 years old. So yeah. guys, you know, when you are doing this in high school, don't believe that everyone's going to be, have this Pavlovian response and just mm -hmm. eat it up and become one of you. They probably won't. We could it's totally so draw an analogy to like the D.A.R.E. program, which also persisted <laughs> in yes. public education and did not succeed in wiping out drug addiction. It's, no. it's always important to kind of to, to take our concerns about this and, and peg them against what is realistic. And as much as these teachers are determined to, in some instances, turn these places into propaganda institutions, the, what they're likely to do is just hollow them out and make them completely ineffective at their actual job. One of one of my favorite pastimes, and by favorite, I mean kind of morbid fascinations, is finding these different uh, controversies at these schools. And oftentimes with the public schools in particular, the places that are having these ridiculous race controversies um, where the teachers are doing the most egregious stuff also tend to be the worst performing schools. Mm -hmm. Like the kids can't read. They cannot do math. It persists from elementary through secondary, right through high school, um, where the scores only seemingly get a little bit better because I presume plenty of kids are dropping out. These schools just don't work in terms of doing the, the job that we imagine that they ought to do in terms of educating kids, but they are also very likely to fail with respect to their propaganda project. Remember the, the, just two weeks ago, the story in Minneapolis public schools where the union negotiated that they could they had to fire the white teachers first, mm -hmm. irrespective of performance. So if the white teacher happened to be teacher of the year 10 years in a row, um, she's got to go over somebody who is black or Hispanic or, you know, of some sort of minority status. And that was one such school system, Camille, where the the reading and the um, the English scores or the math scores were absolutely atrocious mm -hmm. and the dropout rate was atrocious. And so they're so obsessed with just keeping the, the, the teacher who has the, quote, the right skin color in the right. position, irrespective of merit and not at all concerned about who can actually teach 
And there's also a flattening uh, effect. The same institutions are the ones that are going to be the quickest to get rid of gifted and talented programs. Mm -hmm. Any kind of specialized schools got to get rid of that. Seen this in New York very heavily. All of the energy is where is the perceived place where privilege is being perpetuated? Let's knock that down. Um, And that can happen all the way up until it can't. And again, San Francisco, they did the same thing. It wasn't just they tried to rename 40 schools Thomas Jefferson <laughs> School during the pandemic, although that didn't help. Uh, but they also uh, went after one of the uh, two basic specialized schools where immigrant Chinese families sent their kids. They did everything in the world to try to sacrifice so that their kid could go and finally succeed. This is the way to do it in America. And these progressive activists, many of whom are pulling down $200,000 salaries, um, are like, no, that's perpetuating privilege. We can't do it. Uh, And so they knocked that down. That touched off a, a complete backlash that we're seeing in a lot of different places, but it's 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 widespread. These fads are all concentrated in the same place. It's wherever we can uh, institute uh, uh, plans like controlled choice, where the school basically controls the choice of where they want to send your kids based on income level because they can't do it on race anymore because of a Supreme Court decision. Um, and every this is just producing failure all over the yeah. place. It's replicating failure. But, but quickly, just add, why does that happen? We hear the expression all the time in these universes, do the work. One has to do the work. Mm. Well, it happens because they don't want to do the work. And it's much, much easier to say that people are privileged, and that's why there's a disparity in scores, than actually having to look at the pedagogy and kind of reevaluate the system and rebuild the system. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that you know, if you're just saying, well, it's obviously privilege. Well, you, know, you look at New York City, where gifted and talented uh, programs have been cashiered. Uh, and you have something like Stuyvesant High School, which is the most elite public high school, and it's merit only, test scores only. And you see the number, there's like, by the way, there's like no white people in the school because it's it's very heavily Asian. And when you look at the Asian populations, a lot of them are first first generation immigrants in Queens. These are not wealthy people, and they're doing exceptionally well because they have, you know, kind of tiger mom visions, to borrow from Amy Chua, about how their kids should perform. And that's a tough nut to crack for people who just say everything is privilege and everything is race. Yeah. And now they can't get into Harvard because Harvard is secretly using race very much in a way it's not allowed to do. Uh, And that case is going to go up to the Supreme Court in the fall, asking whether the Supreme Court used to say the law is currently you may not use race as a quota, but it can be a factor among others that is considered. But the Supreme Court said there will be an end to this. This is not a forever ruling. And the Supreme Court will decide in the fall whether we are now at the end of allowing that. I mean, again, I've pointed out before. They changed the law in California to say you can't consider race, and they did it anyway. <laughs> they, they were like, oh, okay, we got it. We'll comply, and uh, they did it anyway. And it was only with a lot of time that they sort of had to start not relying on race as one of the main factors. And what they found was that black students did much better. They did much better. They aligned with the universities in a much more... Uh, true and productive way. So you wound up with black scientists who might otherwise have gone to an elite university out there like Berkeley or Stanford or whatever the the public system offers and majored in African-American studies or same thing with women who might have gone and become like a gender studies major at Berkeley, whereas they could have become a doctor if they'd gone to maybe on paper, lesser UCL, whatever. Um, And so anyway, the experiment has proven that the people who are just totally focused on race aligning with or gender aligning with the most elite institution uh, have have engaged in a, in a failed experiment. 
Um, all right, stand by because there's much, much more to discuss. And I have to tell you, listening to these two people talk about our kids and Republicans and conservatives and Catholics reminded me very much of Dark Brandon, uh, which I haven't had the chance to talk about yet because I was off the day after his speech. But we'll talk about Dark Brandon and the president's, you know, President Unity, his latest message with the guys from the fifth column in just one minute. Stay tuned. Okay, guys, so before we get on to Dark Brandon, (laughs) which apparently they're embracing now, the White House likes it. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about because we're coming off of the schools discussion, the the new White House claim like they did with the defund the police where they were like, we've always been for funding the police. It's the Republicans who don't want to who've been pushing for defunding. I mean, it's a true gaslighting. Just that's just not true. And we all lived it for a, a year plus. And we know you're lying, but they they're really good at looking right in the camera and lying. Um, and here's the latest version of that, where Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, actually tried to argue that it is the Democrats who wanted schools open and who we have to thank for the schools being open now. And it was the Republicans who wanted them to remain closed. Here, here it is. In, in less than six months, uh, our schools went from 46 percent uh, to to open to nearly all of them being open to full time. That was the work of this president, and that was the work of Democrats, in spite of Republicans not voting for uh, the American Rescue Plan, which 130 billion dollars went to school to have the ventilation, to be able to uh, have the tutoring and and the teachers, and being able to hire more teachers. It shows you how mismanaged uh, the pandemic was uh, and how the impact of that mismanagement had on the ch- on, on kids progress and academic well-being and you know every Republican Congress voted against that money that is the reality we had to do this on our own just again for the listening audience she read that entire thing this she cannot speak extemporaneously she cannot make a point without reading from her notes she doesn't know the facts that's very clear it's it, it's infuriating to me. I just as a woman, you know, you see a woman in a post like this, like get on your two feet and make the argument. That's literally your job. They could send anybody up there to just read. Oh, I got a question about schools reopening. There's paragraph eight. Read that. She can't do it. It upsets me as a human and a woman. But okay. (laughs) moving on to the substance of the argument, Camille, I saw you shaking your head. Um, I mean, it it really is up is down and down is up. But, you know, what do you make of it? Well, first, I want to second your perspective. I think she's uniquely bad at this job. We see a lot of people go into to being like the White House press secretary and having to spin for on behalf of their bosses, telling half truths. Um, She's just terrible at this. Um, I I think there have been dueling editorials in recent days uh, in the New York Times, well, the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, both about COVID and educational policy. And the Wall Street Journal was blasting the teachers unions for keeping the schools closed as long as they did. And the Washington Post editorial, and this is the entire editorial board, did not say in response, this is unfair because Republicans are responsible for this. What they said was specifically, this is unfair because it doesn't take into account that there was a lot of fear and trepidation at the time. We know That's who an was responsible for keeping the schools closed. This isn't debatable. There's some question about whether or not it was justified, whether or not it's understandable. But the fact that it's been consequential, that it's hurt students in general, and that it is almost it was almost certainly unnecessary, 
That is what we should be focusing on. This wasn't a function of money. Um, one line that I, I do want to slag the, the um, Washington Post editorial writers for is suggesting at some point that it's not worth talking about whether or not you know, teachers unions are responsible, that we shouldn't be looking backwards, we should be looking forward because we need to help students catch up. Um, one, I would love to see them apply the same exact philosophy to kind of their conversations about systemic racism. They, they seem to be particularly obsessed with talking about what happened in the past and not what actually matters and is likely to improve people's lives in that context. But two, I think it's vitally important that we have conversations about what went wrong and what went right with respect to public health and pandemic policy. I think a lot of that is going to inform how we uh, respond to other problems in the future, but may also have some sort of informative value with respect to the policy solutions that we select when we're trying to help kids get out of the rut um, and the, the hole that we've dug for them as a result of really disadvantageous policies that were adopted during the pandemic. Let's it's remember amazing the how, how she's... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Because I was just going right. to say the the um, sh she's mad that the Republicans didn't support the American Rescue Plan. Meanwhile, the, all these schools still have so much money sitting in the coffers that they didn't Absolutely. spend. Absolutely. Unspent. Right. Yeah, so, so now she's trying to say this is how they got they got the schools reopened. You know, it was Joe Biden. Meanwhile, he took office and he took possession of a vaccine. You know, Trump did not have the vaccine, though he developed the vaccine. So to compare, you know, the, just just this is the percentage of schools that were open when we took office to, um, you know, the, where we are today is so misleading. It doesn't mm -hmm. add any context. And if you go back and look at Trump spring of 2020, he was saying we should open the schools and and that he was getting attacked uniformly by Democrats for being absolutely irresponsible. Go ahead, Matt. So Ron DeSantis was called uh, widely in the, the press. Ron Death Santis, mm -hmm. because he insisted that Florida public schools be fully open in the fall of 2020, just like basically almost every single school district in the entire continent of Europe. By the way, I guess we only pay attention to Europe when it's advantageous for ourselves. But he was called Ron Death Santis. If you look and you can find this very easily online, there are color coded state by state rankings on which states had the most uh, open school days from beginning in 2020 in the fall onward, and which ones had the most closed. The most open, all of them are Republican. They voted re uh, Republican in the 2020 election. They have a governor who's Republican. Their state house is Republican. All the ones that were the most closed, all Democrats. The 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 correlation between whether your your school systems were open or closed was entirely about partisan politics. Entirely. And what do we know about partisan politics on the Democratic side? 94% of teachers union giving goes to Democratic Party, political giving goes to Democratic parties. So it's exactly in those places where they have the most power that they close the most schools. And we have just seen, as mentioned of last week, well, these big uh, report about uh, what happened to learning loss over the last couple of years, it is those places. And if we're going to use uh, an equity as a focus in all other circumstances, let's look at equity in this circumstances. Mm. The the populations that got hit hardest were poor and minority, period, when it comes to this. I know Camille doesn't like that because he doesn't believe in the word minority, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's certainly among poor misrepresent people. misrepresent my perspective, Matt. I'm just kidding. Uh, traditionally disadvantaged uh, communities <laughs> suffer by far the most. And there's those places that are run by Democrats. Uh, and and so it's it's worse than gaslighting, a term that I normally hate, but it is uh, absolutely on point in this case.
It, can I just say, talk- can, I, can I just say, the, the, sure. I started it by saying it's gaslighting along the lines of what they did with defund the police. And that policy pushed by Democrats had exactly the same effect. It, it endangered many communities and, and people lost their lives as a result of this, but in particular, black and brown communities. So both of these policies, which were 100 percent pushed by Democrats, resulted in real losses to black and brown communities across America. Hence, the 180 in positions being taken right now by the Democrats and the lie that they were always on the right side. Go ahead. I, I, first of all, I object to Ron Def Santos because it just doesn't really work. It's just a <laughs> DE, like Ron Def Santos. But you remember those times, by the way, in which anybody that had the kind of slightly heterodox view on COVID, many of which turned out to be right, by the way. So heterodox at the time, uh, were accused of uh, confining grandma to the uh, the gas chamber, basically. Yeah. They're like the, every, the people, everything that you're doing is going to make people die. So Matt brings up the politics. Well, let's look at the politics of this. Of course, we were told we should not politicize science. You know, this is a smart thing to say, but it never actually happens. Well, if we look at the politicization of science and you know how it relates to schools, Matt is also correct that. Most all of Europe didn't close schools. Uh, Sweden, where I used to live, I don't think closed schools for a single day, right? They didn't even have lockdowns. So mm-hmm. now is the time after a couple of years of this, you know, two and a half years to actually look at the evidence. If not, you are in- engaged in a political campaign. If you're up there as the, pre- the White House press secretary talking about this stuff in these ways, why are you not, if you don't care about the politicization of science, you don't want it to happen, why are you not addressing the American people and saying, okay, so here's actually what we know about COVID in schools. What happened with kids? How many kids mm-hmm. died? How many teachers were you know, confined to their deathbeds because of a transmission from a child, because we have a lot of evidence about this now, but instead it's a political blame game and a political blame game only. I'm fine with that because there were some really bad and shitty politics that we all saw during this time. But I also want that adjunct point to say, by the way, you were all wrong about this. And you know whether or not you like Ron DeSantis, want him to be president, or you know hell, want him to even be in elected office in Florida, he was right. And Sweden was right. And Europe was right about this. And this idea that kids were going to be dropping like flies um, and their teachers, of course, too, because they were vectors of disease. These kids mm-hmm. turned out was not to be true. And you can look at the evidence. I'm not just making this up. But the problem is no one wants to talk about the evidence. And no one at this point is going back and saying, what do we know about COVID? What do we know about who is dying from it? What do we know about transmission mm-hmm. rates? Mm-hmm. Why are we still asking professional tennis players to come to America and have a vaccine <laughs> when the vaccine Sir. doesn't prevent the damn thing from transmitting? And That's this is why exactly. we did it before. And this is still affecting policy. This is still uh, affecting policy. We so saw annoying. it in D.C. Yes. where the, the mayor suggested that she was going to hold students out of school, yes. not give them any options to attend unless yeah. they were fully vaccinated. When we yeah. know all of the things that you just underscored, Moina, it's the this is the reason we have to talk about the profound failures that happened during the pandemic and our unseriousness about trusting the science. But the thing is, Camille, I can, I can, I am okay with the failures in some senses because there was a lot of stuff we didn't know. And we were sure. feeling this through as a nation, you know, as, you know, scientists are trying to figure it out. There's debate amongst scientists. There's no settled science. That's, that's ridiculous. Sure. But, you know, when we're not actually correcting the record about this stuff and actually yeah. telling people like, why on earth would we have a, a a mandate for a vaccine of uh, you know playing in a tennis tournament 
you can't do this. Well, why? I mean, that's his problem, isn't it? It's not mine. Because but, he, he, he can transmit it and he can acquire that whether or not he's been vaccinated. He's just going to have a much better time if he is. That's, that's that the position all of our children are in. All of our children are in that. I, my, my kids are facing vaccine yeah. mandates at, at both of their schools. And, and for what? For what? If God forbid they got a, some terribly severe case of COVID and had a, a very negative health outcome, that would be between me, my child, my husband and our doctor, our pediatrician. That is not for the school to weigh in on. The school doesn't pay our hospital bills. The school really just needs to worry about transmission and the vaccine doesn't affect that at all. And yet still they're going to expel my children at age 16 unless they get the vaccine. That policy is still in place and it's absolute madness. But to your point, They've been dishonest all along. The reason they won't do, you know, an, a, a full, open, honest, retrospective look is because they've been dishonest all along. As we saw, the masking was driving me nuts, as you guys know. As we saw the CDC do studies like the 90,000 kids in Atlanta that showed the masks did nothing, they ignored it. Then they would do another study. And then we'd have honest journalists come out and say, no, that one's flawed, too. Here's the and they would continue touting the study despite serious methodological issues. And then a study would come out of Europe proving, no, the masks don't work in reducing transmission and they would ignore it or try to discredit it. It was all agenda driven. So, of course, now the one retrospective moment we're having at the CDC, oh, Rochelle Walensky is going to take a look at what went wrong, is focusing on how we are too academic. We're just too smart. What we talk is we had too many academic papers. <laughs> Shut up, Rochelle. That's not it. Not it. You need to go the way of that Connecticut Coscob <laughs> Elementary School teacher, <laughs> vice principal, whatever he is. You need to go the way of all these lunatics who won't accept reality. Never forget that that uh, in February 2021, the CDC came out with new revised science based guidelines for schools. And who sat at those meetings and helped shape yes. those guidelines? Yes. Randy Weingarten. Randy Weingarten. Who does not have an MD. Those not last time I looked. No, that's no. not really her area of uh, expertise. Uh, and those guidelines, if uh, interpreted strictly by school districts, would have had 90 percent of schools closed, uh, continuing yeah. from that point on. And some of those guidelines, they've reversed most of them by now, but some of them are still in uh, in 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 service. And so in, in the deepest, bluest uh, places like mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., you have this kind of insane uh, interpretation of them. New York City right now, public schools, you can't uh, engage in extracurricular activities. You can't play in the football team if you're not vaccinated. Yeah, that's right. There's no that's exactly right. We're already facing restrictions on field trips and so on. And ours is not the only school unless your kid is vaccinated. And it truly is like, what business is that of yours? There there was one school, they, it hit the news this weekend that now they're implementing a mask mandate for if you haven't gotten the flu vaccine. These people are drunk on their own power. They love it. They'd like to see us masked all day, every day for everything, right? I mean, monkeypox now, it's like kids are looking at mask mandates potentially on that. It's like, unless they're having gay sex in like the second grade, I think they're fine. What? Is that happening? Can you reveal that in his latest video? <laughs> oh my God. I, I think someone, someone may go to prison over that. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> Well, I mean, th that we'll get to that story later about this lunatic who wrote a book who's like celebrating that exactly that at the at the very young at 12 year old uh, and up and schools are allowing her book to be everywhere. But all right, this is a good place to pause it because I do want to do Dark Brandon. We've come up with a just short brief montage of Joe Biden's Dark Brandon moment. And now he's trying to walk it back as if we didn't hear everything he said um, last week. 
And then he goes out on the campaign trail and he goes back to Dark Brandon again. So it's really it is more it's not like a Superman figure or like I guess a like a Batman. Wait, who? No, Superman. Who's got Clark Kent? He's got the one character mm-hmm. and then he's got the other character. It really kind of depends on the setting. What what message you're going to be hearing? Um, it's like a new superhero character who's got that same thing in common. Dark Brandon as the fifth column hosts come back with us right after this quick break. And remember, folks, you can find The Megan Kelly Show live on Sirius XM Triumph <laughs> Channel 111 every weekday at noon east and the full video showing clips by subscribing to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Megan Kelly. Thank you so much for getting us over the 500,000 subscriber mark. That was our goal by August 31st. And thanks to you guys. We did it. Very grateful. If you prefer to get your news via audio podcast, follow and download on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts for free. And there you'll find our full archives with more than 380 shows, many of which feature these three brilliant guys. Uh, love their perspective. More libertarian. Love to hear from everybody, right, on these issues. And, and uh, respectful disagreement, always fun as well. All right, so Dark Brandon came and went and then came back again. And I can't quite keep track of whether he's dark Brandon or is it light Brandon? I'm not sure what the opposite of just Brandon, just Brandon. It's like when I had my first date with Doug, it went great. And I was calling him dream date Doug, you know, shortly after there, thereafter. And then like he kind of like blew me off or didn't call when he said he was going to. And he just got downgraded to just Doug. <laughs> it was dream date Doug. <laughs> and then it was just Doug. <laughs> and that's kind of what's happening with Dark Brandon and just Brandon. Um for those who missed it last Thursday night, uh Dark Brandon appeared before the red the black columns and the red lighting and the I, I'm not a big Star Wars person, but it's the Star Wars thing, I guess. This is what a lot of people saw, and said in part the following. MAGA Republicans represent an extremism. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger, and MAGA Republicans are to destroying American democracy. MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. The MAGA Republicans believe that for them to succeed, Everyone else has to fail. Hmm. He added, wasn't in that montage, they don't believe in the rule of law. They don't respect the Constitution we had in there. But he also added they don't believe in the rule of law. They he'd spent a lot of time and they refuse to accept the results of a free election. I mean, this is like one of those therapy sessions where, you know, you go in, you say all these things that are actually true about you. And your therapist is like, "Mm, the person starring in this story is not your, quote, friend, sister. It is you heal thyself. I mean, just to go down, like, first of all, respect the Constitution. It's like what he just did with student debt, which he clearly doesn't have the authority to do. And it's going to be struck down. Okay, so we that we remember that one because it was recent. Um, The eviction moratorium, which even he said he did not have the power to do. The Supreme Court had already said this is unconstitutional and he knew it was unconstitutional, but he thought he could get us through the summer by doing it. 
Uh, he didn't care that it was unconstitutional. He doesn't have respect for the Constitution. It's his party that's talking about packing the Supreme Court so they can get better rulings, rule of respect the rule of law. He, they're the people who will sh- they, they want to protest outside the Supreme Court justices households despite the law on the books. that You can't do that. And then do nothing when one of them almost gets assassinated. It's just a shoulder shrug. They still want to circulate the guy's addresses online. No problem. Not to mention his vaccine mandate, which was struck down in part by the U.S. Supreme Court. So don't lecture me about this Constitution, Dark Brandon. Because just Brandon is violating it every other day. Right. The rule of law, of course, it's like, don't get us started. And he's upset about the January 6th protest. But we've got the Black Lives Matter two year event to look at and the riots, which he didn't care about. and His party didn't care about. So it's like he's in no position to cast these stones. But the one I want to start with is that how MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. I mean, truly. It's his party that's been trying to inject messages like that into every textbook, every speech about how bad we are and how awful and how what sinners and how we can never atone. That's his party. Who would like to take it? We've had a problem with uh, apocalypticism in American politics for a while now. It predates Trump. Um, Trump supercharged it in many ways. But Bernie Sanders is part of that. Hillary Clinton is part of that. Joe Biden is part of that. Democrats. Populism loves, loves, loves to say at every given moment uh, that this is the inflection point. He said that in the speech. Right now is the inflection point. That our, what, our future of our country depends on what we do right now about this speech that just for some reason had to happen in September of, of 2022. I'm not really sure what the timing of that uh, was all <laughs> hmm. about. Um, what could be coming? So it's we've been living through this for a while. And, and you're right. That he's talking about his own party. He's also talking about Republicans, not all of them. The problem is that the tone of the speech and the language of the speech was this constant conflation. And then he's like, well, no, I'm not talking wait, about wait, all you faded out. The constant what? You constant what? Conflation of MAGA yeah, okay. Republicans with every everybody who doesn't believe in gay marriage or has a different idea about abortion are those. He kept he was talking about MAGA ideology, but he never really flushed it out beyond talking about <sighs> contraception for some reason uh, and and uh, gay marriage and abortion rights. That's not really MAGA ideology. You should know who you're talking to. I'm not sure there's a, a big, strong MAGA ideology, but I can tell you that one part of it, a fundamental part of it, the through line in Donald Trump's ideological career, um, and it's held by a lot of the people who support him the most, is uh, against trade agreements. And Biden mm. like extended that in the piece. He's like, we're going to make stuff in America again. OK, so you are actually extending part of the MAGA ideology that you're talking so about true. as such a threat to democracy. That's a great in- point, including, um, you know, the Labor Day speech, which was in Wisconsin, which was the site I think everyone forgets. And I covered at the time one of the great Trump administration boondoggles of getting Foxconn to come and make screens. Initially, they're going to come make iPhones and they're going to make screens. And then that's been downgraded and they've backed out of this thing from, you know, thousand jobs to 100 jobs, that sort of thing. Mm. But so, yeah, no, it's very similar in that economically, you know, one of the things that I think all three of us disagree with Trump on most vociferously is the economic policy, which which I think has been um, uniquely bad. But it's really interesting, Megan, you said at the beginning that people are saying this is a Star Wars kind of imagery. You know, Star Wars is pretty straightforward and George Lucas is pretty straightforward about this was borrowed from the Nazis, from Lenny Riefenstahl's film, Triumph of the Will, you know, all the red and all the columns and the rest of it. So it seems to me that it was, dare I say, semi-fascist 
because it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't fully fascist. It was like the minor leagues of fascism. So it was a little semi-fascist. Baby fascist. Yeah, but, but you know, it is so crazy to to suggest that, and you were right when you said, um, you know, the riots two years ago, and Camille has talked about this, you know, ad infinitum on the fifth column, and we like to bang on about it, but I was in Kenosha the day after the shooting, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, shooting, the all this stuff being burned to the ground. And uh, Trump was there and he met with the person whose lot was burned down or whose uh, furniture store was burned down. And then later in the day, Joe Biden showed up and he went and visited Jacob Blake. And he said that Jacob Blake's, the officers involved in that shooting should be arrested. Now, the stories we found out about Jacob Blake were the opposite of what we initially were told was that he was unarmed and he was there to help. He was violating a restraining order and he had a knife in his hand. So it's like, you know, these are two parties. And then, I, then you know, look, yesterday I turned this on. I was thinking about this and I turned on uh, TV or was on, on the internet or something. And I see Roland Martin in one of oh, his God. ridiculous outfits. <laughs> he's, he's in, he's, I wonder where he gets all these dashikis. They're amazing. And he said the Trump voters, like, we're at war with these people. We're at war with them. And he said, then, he, you know, the next line was, these folks are evil. Yes. I mean, mm. don't tell me that there is one dark force in America. I didn't vote for Donald Trump twice. I didn't vote for Donald Trump and I wouldn't vote for him again. And, you know, I would, I would never, I, I'm not a fan of the guy. Our podcast has been very critical of him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, let's keep in perspective here that this thing, and he said, you know, uh, in the speech the other day, in Wisconsin, that we, we used to be a nation of unity and hope and optimism. Bullshit. <laughs> I mean, does anyone remember the Clinton years, the Obama years, the Bush years? I mean, everyone's been called a Nazi. Everyone's been called a fascist. This is the same as American politics has ever been, but with a different way of transmitting information, which is Twitter and getting it real time and getting a warped perception of what the world is about. And this warped perception is being fed by Joe Biden, who's pretending that he's not conflating the 70, 60 odd million people that voted for Donald Trump with these dark MAGA Republicans. He is doing just that. So they must have some sort of internal polling that suggests that (laughs) banging on about this stuff is going to help them, you know, repeal or, or push back this red wave because it is just endless at this point. I mean, this this idea that there are fascists at the door, which is obviously ridiculous. Well, can I, can I, I tell think, you, I had um, Chris Dyerwald on the program last week, you know, very smart political prognosticator. Uh, and he was saying the smartest thing for Joe Biden to do right now is to SDFU. He said maybe mm-hmm. he could borrow Joe Biden's basement, right. uh, you know, mm-hmm. like he, or wait. Yeah. Yeah. He was saying be quiet. He was like, go back to your basement because he, he was saying he the, the Democrats numbers are getting a little bit better and he doesn't need to be out there making speeches like this because things are going a little bit more his way. So this is not a good time to be out there giving what this is my take on it, his deplorable speech, right? Like (laughs) it didn't help Barack Obama to call Republicans bitter clingers. It Mm -hmm. certainly didn't help Hillary Clinton to call Republicans deplorables. And Dark Brandon is not going to help his own chances or those of his party. But with his deplorable speech, which is why I think he's decided to try to dial it back a little, either that or he just got off prompter and he says different things when he's <laughs> off prompter. You know, what and, I mean? and he, den- he, he denounced so, the American carnage speech in his own American carnage speech. By the way. He's very so, bizarre. So very he gets bizarre. caught. But Peter yeah, I mean, Ducey was like, you know, do you really think this about all Trump supporters? And he was like, how dare you? Here it is. Why? <laughs> <laughs> 
Mr. President, do you consider, Mr. President, do you consider all Trump supporters to be a threat to the country? No, everyone, come on. Do you hear it? I don't consider I don't, any, any Republican a threat to the country. Well, you just said MAGA forces determined to take the country back or back or do in America where there's no right to choose, no right to privacy. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They don't b- re- believe in the rule of law. MAGA Republicans embrace anger. They thrive amongst chaos. MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and, distra- and despair. Uh, like, it certainly sounds like you're not like a big fan of Trump Republicans. I don't like <laughs> you might have to explain. I mean, MAGA Republican is a a self-servingly vague uh, slur that is being directed at his enemies. It does not mean anything in particular. And precisely the same way that semi-fascist doesn't mean anything in particular. It means, Mm -hmm. you know, we generally don't like you and think that you're bad. And I I think Moynihan's point is is very vital for us to focus on. The notion that, you know, we've always had um, substantial division in our politics. There's always been disagreement. Um, And there's, in many many respects, it's probably always been kind of cheap demagoguery deployed against your political opponents. But there was a time when it was punctuated by kind of civility and respectability. And at a moment when there are criminal prosecutions of members of um, the, the January 6th um, riots that took place at the Capitol, um, someone may want to call it a fracas. I, I would accept either one of those answers. <laughs> Um, and and people are getting long jail sentences at a time when the president of the United States is being investigated by the intelligence agencies for potential crimes that could land him in a courtroom, if not in a, a, a prison. Um, the former like, president, Camille, it, I know he's the still former, your president. The, <laughs> the former president. I'm just, uh, well, they're, they're always- Okay, Dinesh. They were always the president at some point. So I could say the president <laughs> of the United States. Um, I, it, I think it takes on a very different tone. And Joe Biden knows this. Joe Biden talked incessantly about the fact that he was going to bring us together. And we have, uh, in the same week that this speech was given, the president's now press secretary um, suggesting that if you disagree with the majority, then you're an extremist. Mm -hmm. This is absurd, hysterical hyperbole. And I would say that when it comes from the president, as opposed to Roland Martin wearing a a Dragon Ball Z um, theme (laughs) dashiki, like this is this is bad. It's unacceptable, and it's something that we should all be genuinely concerned about. And I will say that I was I was heartened to see plenty of people um, in the media, plenty of people on the the left side of the political spectrum expressing concern about this because it was a it was it was a bad speech for one, but it was also just decidedly in very poor taste for this administration. Mm, it was in poor taste, exactly right, and it ran a real risk at a time when. His poll numbers are getting a little better. They're at 42 percent approval rating, according to the latest poll. They were at 36 not so long ago because his base is getting a little riled up. He's gotten a couple of legislative agenda items through. They're feeling like, OK, maybe he's going to fight for us. I Maybe he's thinking this is me fighting for you even more. I'm going to say all the things that make Mary Trump get chills, which is what she said. Why is Mary Trump a commentator again? Anywho, um, so he maybe he's trying to get that up to 43, 44 to drive midterm results, but you got to factor in what it's going to do to the other side, right? Like deplorables hurt her way more than it helped her. And I got to feel like it's way better for him to have Roland Martin say the crazy things than for him to say them. 
I mean, luckily for him, I suppose, um, Donald Trump is giving no shortage of crazy himself over the last oh couple God. of days. Just like mashing the retweet button on QAnon. Things <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> weird. Uh, arrestees. And then also just like randomly spitting out like, uh, redo the election. It's almost like he thinks you can you can take the little void stamp and like put it on the, you know, the ink pad and then just stamp it on Joe Biden's head. <laughs> it's not the way it works. I think that that, that points to a, a, a an interesting little thing, which is uh, I believe at this point cynically it's a cynical. I don't want to be that because I want to be idealistic ish, um, but that uh, <laughs> it serves Joe Biden's interest to make the midterm elections about Trump. Because yes. that's going to rile up his base. And also because Trump, even though he's really popular among Republicans, is not popular among Americans. Right. Yeah. Or independ independence in particular. Independence mm -hmm. in particular, two thirds of which don't whom don't want him to run for president again. Right. So if we make this about democracy and this is the inflection point and because of Trump, even though he's not running in this election, it's amazing. Uh, then, you can, then you can nationalize it and give people this sense of of glorious purpose. Um, I think that's cynical. It's the same way that the Democrats poured $44 million into five uh, races, close races uh, of GOP primaries uh, in order to try to influence it so that the MAGA Republican won, as yeah. opposed to the more uh, uh, competitive, saner people like uh, uh, Peter Meyer, a subscriber to our podcast, I might add. Um, but like, <laughs> If you really believe, him like that. <laughs> if you really believed in what you say about democracy, that's not the behavior that what you would do. I mean, mm -hmm. just think back of yeah. or you know work yourself backwards with what would you do if you were actually trying to create unity behind shared principles of Americans of all stripes um, to say that you know this act political violence is bad, not respecting elections is bad, not respecting court decisions or whatever is bad. You wouldn't do it like this. You wouldn't suddenly start talking about the infrastructure bill. That has nothing to do with it. Why are you bringing it up? You'd be bringing up uh, specific things like, oh, we should uh, uh, back the Electoral College Reform Act or you know, this, this vision of how to fix the system next time. But that's not who, what he was doing. He was trying to nationalize an election, even create you know, uh, the MAGA force. That sounds cool. I want to join the MAGA force. Oh, wow. He just admitted it. MAGA forces. The colonel in the MAGA force. Lord. He wants to run against Trump because he thinks he can win. And that's you're flirting. And how and how do you do? I mean, look, they're doing a very good job at one thing. What are we talking about? We're talking about this absurd idea that, you know, American democracy is heaving and dying and, and, you know, taking its last breath and talking about fascism and all this stuff rather than talking about, you know, pocketbook Inflation. kitchen table issues that are affecting everyday Americans that they have no answer for. Right. I mean, you know, gas prices are down a little bit. And there's a, some suggestion they might go back up again. But, you know, to say that they've gone down to, you know, like $3.75 a gallon. I mean, that's still a lot more than it was a year ago, right? Or a year and Not a half Not to mention ago. our electric bills. Electric bills, I mean, you know, food bills, everything. I mean, these are, of course, people that are having these conversations that don't give two shits about this, that don't actually comparison shop, don't actually know, you know, famously like, um, you know, George H.W. Bush, like, you know, the scanner and how much of how much a thing of milk costs. Mm -hmm. These people truly, and I'm talking about people not in politics, but people, you know, in the media who, you know, shop at bodegas in New York where things are 18 times the price that they are at Walmart. They're not price sensitive. 
and they don't care about this stuff, but everyday Americans do. The poll numbers, you know, bear this out. So why not just talk about how American democracy is collapsing and get into the weeds of these debates and say, you know, people just turn off and tune out. It's just, you don't have to have a conversation about real things that actually matter. You still have people heckling Joe Biden. They're heckling him on these issues. They're actually following his lead and saying, are you saying all MAGA people are, are fascists or semi-fascists or whatever? It's like, well, no, you should heckle him about the things that are actually ruining and have been yeah. ruining the American economy, including spending massive amounts of money, which seems to be his solution to most everything. I and think it you're is right. It's strategic. More, more it um, inflation. I think you're right. It is strategic. That that makes sense to me. Uh, you know, talk about MAGA instead of talking about inflation and, and gas prices and all the rest of it. Immigration, you could go down the list. Uh, but I also think I don't know about Joe Biden, but those around him are true believers in what he said. You know, oh, for sure. Really, that's not, there's yeah, no doubt they, about that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and we talked about like the teachers who can't even countenance a, a, a quote, normal Republican speaking mm. at their schools where we kicked it off today. And the, and another example of that is the lunatics on MSNBC. And I don't run Joy Reid sound bites every day because, I mean, you could you could do this with her every day. But this next one is truly insane. Like, I really think MSNBC needs to answer for what she said on her program. I guess it was last night. Um, I'm not sure. I don't watch her show. So the, uh, it was. Yeah, it was Monday. Um, so she decided to go out there and talk about in the context of the raid on Mar-a-Lago and the seizure of Trump documents, which, you know, you remember what we don't know how much of it is classified. We don't know how much of it is top secret exactly. But we're hearing all sorts of reports in The Washington Post and other uh, Trump hating outlets. So who knows? We'll find out. In any event, this is the context in which the following discussion came up. Listen to this lunatic. We know that um, in 2021 um, that there was a rash of deaths of American spies. They were being caught. They were being killed. This is a, this is a very real and exigent circumstance. Um, oh and the CIA has admitted to that. And now, and I, we are not saying that we know that there is some connection between the purloined documents and that and those events. But they did happen at a time when Trump did have custody of some really sensitive information that he shouldn't have had. You know, both our intelligence community and our law enforcement community must be beside themselves right now because Donald Trump absolutely has information and evidence about how those documents that he stole and unlawfully concealed at Mar-a-Lago might have compromised national security. The, the reason I state that definitively is because he knows who he showed them to, who he let copy them, who he let take a snapshot of them, who he might have given or worse sold the information that was in those 43 empty classified documents folders. I, I wish the audience could have seen your three faces. I wish the audience could have seen all three oh. of you reacting to that. Oh my God. Do you think it's connected to the person that hacked her blog and made her behind <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking questions, Megan. I don't it almost know. certainly I don't have the, the same evidence. Team. Has to be I, the same team. I think at least because I mean, totally. FSB. Yeah. 
Yeah, it involved words on on paper or at least represented in pixels. Um, you know what it reminded me of that that Don Lemon clip where they were talking about was it a Malaysian flight? Like oh yeah, three seventy. The black hole. He's like, you know, this this flight just disappeared, and some people are talking about black holes and and Bermuda triangles and lost. I mean, it's absurd, but but is it absurd? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. Segment is over right there. You could just stop this. This yeah. doesn't make any sense. He was the president I- for four years privileged access to top secret information you imagine that he started selling secrets selling it left yeah. out of a box in his was, <laughs> it's like a swap meet he's got bootleg dvds he's got some <laughs> intelligence look the guy's not a billionaire i think he's probably overstating that but i don't think he's selling stuff out of the back of his car in palm beach it is so crazy and he but would like, be a billionaire should... if he were selling those kind of secrets <laughs> <laughs> but by the way you should fire anyone this is a, a journalistic rule who hides behind the just asking questions trope, which is, you know, the way that you say, like, I don't know how many people died in the Holocaust. I'm just asking questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liar. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> just asking. No, no. asking the question is the bad thing oftentimes <laughs> yes. because you are suggesting that this thing is real. That yeah. She's not just saying that because, like, it just popped into my mind. This is a network who has told you for four and a half years, five years, maybe six years, that Donald Trump was an active agent of Russian intelligence. Did he do stupid things vis-a-vis Russia? Yes. Was he somebody who was on the payroll of the Russians? Well, if you'd watched MSNBC, you would be forgiven for thinking that that was true. So this yeah, is just an extension of that. if you any of concept. the related court proceedings at which people were under oath, you would know that it was all <laughs> bullshit. Now, can I tell you, it's even worse than we know. I mean, we know it's bullshit, what she said, but it's even worse than that because for the listening audience, what she put on the board as her evidence of, you know, these CIA agents dying, which that is true, um, was a New York Times article from October of 2021. All right. And, and in her graphic, she actually had the the date wrong. She had it October of 2022, which obviously hasn't happened yet. So we know it was wrong. <laughs> but the actual New York Times banner job, MSNBC banner job. So but the actual article that she was referring to was from October 2021. And it talked about um, a breach of the CIA's communication system um, that led to CIA agents being captured, killed or compromised and losing dozens of informants. And guess when that happened? I mean, this is an October 2021 article talking about the fact that it did happen and there were consequences to it. And guess when it happened? It happened between 2009 and 2013 when Barack Obama was president. Okay, it didn't even happen during President Trump's presidency. So that is what this idiot is citing as her proof (laughs) that Donald Trump sold secrets out of the Mar-a-Lago document containers. She's too stupid to be on television. According to, by the way, I just looked this up because I remembered it, um, that from 2013, when she was on the air, Eric Wemple from the Washington Post pointed this out, that she was raising questions, not suspicions, just questions about the Guardian, then Guardian's Glenn Greenwald in his behavior, behavior vis-a-vis um, Snowden, and if he was an intelligence agent or something like that. But he, she was oh raising questions. So she's been doing this for you know a good part of a decade of anybody she disagrees with of saying, I'm just going to raise some questions of whether or not you are a Rosenberg-like spy and you should right. be executed. I mean, <laughs> right. it is total madness. And one would expect 
I mean, one wouldn't expect from MSNBC, but any journalistic outlet saying this kind of stuff of, you know, raising questions, but I'm not raising suspicions is uh, is uncalled for and is totally, totally unforgivable. And Megan, you can mentioned I the Rosenbaum. Can I, I'll, I'll give you the floor in one second, but I just a quick point. Michael Hayden liked a tweet of somebody saying this, yes. that the Trump Mar-a-Lago situation was like the Rosenbaum's, like somebody who sold secrets, nuclear secrets to the bad guys. And Michael Hayden. <laughs> Both he, of whom were executed, by the way. Yeah, right, right. He he liked that saying pretty much. Yeah, like, oh, yes, yeah, sure. It's exactly like that. So go ahead, Matt. Are you saying that Michael Hayden has a veracity problem? <laughs> Slightly biased. Look to the core. Um, no, uh, not everyone understands, Megan, and, and you do. Uh, I don't know how much you want to or, or can talk about it, but NBC News is a news gathering operation and it has like some quality professionals in it. It's an advantage that MSNBC theoretically has that exceeds the advantage that other cable uh, net networks have. I have to imagine that there's a whole department in NBC, NBC News that just pulls out its hair every single day. Like, oh my God, they, what happens? They've got to be, by the way, to correct Rosenberg, um, the NBC sort of standards and practices group. That's what they call them. They're legit. I mean, that is a real group of people that takes what they put out on the air very seriously to the point where I would get very frustrated with, you know, their nitpicking on anything that's a script. They can't control you as the anchor in your questions. At least they couldn't with me because unlike everyone else there, I read my own questions. I, I came up with my own. I came from cable where it's like, you got to think of them yourself. Newsflash, you got to use your mind and come up with it on your own. But the the system there is the anchors just ask the questions that the producers write down for them. And the producers have those questions screened by standards and practices before they even get in front of the anchor. OK, um, it's not to say they never ad lib, but I'm just saying that, that that's the approach. MSNBC is not that way. All right. So like somehow the standards are very different over there. But it's still controlled by the same group of people who I think are honest and legitimate and they may be biased, but they're not looking to allow bullshit like this out on their airwaves. But I mean, look, it's going to be up to the network president, right? Does he care? Does he care at all? He didn't give a shit about her lies about the FBI or her blog. Same guy, you know, so and I don't mean the MSNBC. I mean, the, the head of NBC, like they oversee MS. So do they care about this kind of egregious misstatement of fact, citing a newspaper article that was talking about events from 09 to 13 and trying to blame that on Trump, trying to say that that event somehow led to Trump? Like it's nonsensical and it's an embarrassment. And as we're talking about network embarrassments, I might as well pivot to this. Um, in the news today is the fact that the CNN during Dark Brandon's presentation, you know, for the Star Trek Nazi situation, lightened the background. OK, I, we, why they did remains unclear. Our executive producer, Steve Krakauer, called them to ask about this. They claimed there was a problem with the feed, but every other network had it in red. CNN had it in pink watch watch it was red and then you're gonna see it turn oh there it is it's fuchsia it's, it's pretty top pink now <laughs> and it's unclear about whether that really was a feed problem or somebody just said maybe it'll look prettier and less imposing and inappropriate if we make it fuchsia 
Did they make it into a gay rights flag? Was that what they were trying to do? <laughs> no, just with a press of a button, just to, you know, be inclusive. Do you my, remember, my... <laughs> we've talked about this on the uh, fifth column, which is the greatest podcast in Christendom. So we cover issues like this, <laughs> yeah. that Newsweek, do you remember Newsweek during the OJ trial was accused of darkening his skin? Definitely. And, uh, and the cover store, and, the, and there was two covers with the same mugshot. Was it Newsweek or Time? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it was one of, it, it might've been Time that did it, but it was Time and Newsweek both had the same cover. And uh, one was considerably darker, and but it was just kind of it a was vignette obvious. that they put around. And it was like, of course, the neo-Nazis at time were like, let's just make it blacker. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a conversation. Yeah, it was time. Steve is... It was I time. just okay, watched so this. Was... I just watched The People versus O.J. Simpson, which is the only reason Great. I had that in my head. It's fantastic. And it includes the everyone's favorite masturbator, Jeffrey Tubin, who I think wrote, right? <laughs> Good time off favorite. from pleasuring himself to write an amazing book. I feel like Louis C.K. might be my favorite masturbator. I don't know. If I agree <laughs> yeah, at least he mine, mine too. Mine too. And, and polite. Yeah, he's funny. He's, got, like, he's at least got good moments. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about the, the CNN thing. It, at a minimum, like they made him look like an Oompa Loompa. Like the yeah. contrast of his skin gets like very orange. Oh, let's see it's it again. Really I didn't even strange. look at that. Let's no. check that yeah, out. I didn't, I'm in favor of Oompa Loompas. I, don't, I, I mean, sure. That's what they yeah. did. All right, let's see. I was looking at the walls. I wasn't looking at him. The walls are getting pinker. Yeah. yeah. It looks a little more orange to me as this goes uh, on. Maybe can yeah. I, maybe even Yeah, his tint, his tint changes too. I'm not sure. I guess I'll have to give them the benefit of the doubt on this, but it's raising yeah. all sorts of, uh, you know, just asking. Just asking whether they manipulated. <laughs> You're just asking. That's what we do here. Just ask questions. Just ask questions. I'm going to give CNN the benefit of the doubt on this. It's just a it's, weird thing to be like, let's make people, it pink to defend. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, you know it's a little weird that it the just happened with them. The if it's speech. the feed, I think that's, yeah. it shouldn't have happened to just CNN. I'll just, mm, right, whatever. All right, stand by. The presumption of some producer is like, this looks ridiculous. This cannot be right. Like, we have to try to tune this a little bit to see what it actually looks like because who would decide? that this was a good idea. I wish yeah. I had that producer on the days where I've used too much bronzer or got a little bit too much sun. <laughs> I could use, hello, yeah. my producers, hello. I could use your help. Yes, <laughs> There's yes no producers, when she looks too much like Hitler, do something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stand by. More with the fifth column right after this. In all your busy lives, I, this may have slipped by you and I... I forgive you for that. And I, I really just wanted to do you a solid and let you know that there's an exciting new show coming out by Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. And it's about gutsy women, gutsy, which they they know because they themselves, as you see, um, are gutsy. And in case you just need a little bit more of a description, here's a part. I won't make you watch the whole a part of the trailer for Gutsy. Okay, here we go. We're hitting the road to shine a light on women who inspire us to be bolder and braver. Leadership doesn't look one way. It's a giant rainbow. You're not gonna break me down. You'll get worn out before I do. Women who push us outside our comfort zone. <laughs> you got this. And make us laugh. I'm in deep Georgia and they might have never met a Muslim. Or they don't know they have. Or they don't know they have. Because we walk among you. <laughs> Hilarious. Wow. A marriage that has been on public display since the beginning. You said the gutsiest thing you ever did was stay in your marriage. That doesn't mean that's right for everybody. 
to throw someone's life away when people really do make changes. I just believe in second chances. My mother needed rehabilitation, not prison. Your survival is your power. Oh. All right, that's enough. For the listening audience at home, what we have is Chelsea Clinton boxing and having dinner. That is amazing. I, at the beginning, just, I thought they were going to do that karaoke thing. When they got in the car in that first scene, I was like, oh, I shit. <laughs> just in case you were wondering, just in case you were wondering, their only Democratic women are gutsy. Just let's get that clear. There's no yes. Republican <laughs> featured. Naturally. And by the way, by the way, everyone in Georgia is an Islamophobe, in case you didn't yeah, know. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's assumed, only to be confirmed. Um, I will say Georgia Hillary like went on. Um, yeah, go ahead, Matt. No, it's just like Georgia is known for being particularly uh, friendly and like multiracial. Yeah, 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 but like, not to Muslims. Yeah, they, they've they've never met them. Know, they know. just don't know. In the South, yeah. come on, come on. Let's. Um, let's and by the way, it was very gutsy. I think the gutsiest thing that was not discussed but kind of tangentially mentioned was Bill Clinton uh, cheating on his wife. It was a very gutsy oh, move at the well, time. Was oh. <laughs> he was a president. This is about gutsy, gutsy gals. Was oh oh shit! Oh, really? So, okay. oh. Sorry. Oh. Is he our masturbator? No, a new entrant. Okay. Um, she was asked. She was asked <laughs> about this Hillary when she was promoting her show on CBS this morning by Nora o- O'Donnell about that comment about Bill and his affair and uh, I mean at least the one affair I should say. And here's how she responded. I guess I was surprised that you said that staying in your marriage was gutsier than running for president. Well, so it was in terms of my private you. life. Um, it was really hard. And as you know, everybody had an opinion about it. Uh, people who I'd never met had very strong opinions about it. Um, and it took a lot of, honestly, prayer and thoughtfulness and talking to people I totally trusted uh, to really think through uh, because it was all being done in public, Nora. So mm-hmm. it made it even more um, painful and difficult. But I have no regrets. Mm. Mm. Oh dear God! <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm liking your smoke. You're not. You're not feeling it. I'm, not, I'm well. I'm feeling it. I am definitely feeling it. Uh, but it's amazing. It was like it was very public, and I was uh, surprised. Like you know, he was the president having sex with a twenty odd year old intern. It was kind <laughs> of a public thing, and the bravery of staying with him is not about Monica Lewinsky. It's during the campaign he got caught having sex with Jennifer Flowers. It's yeah. not like this is new to her. She's like, I just had performance. to yeah. harness that courage at the moment. And we it's all like, you, know they, they have some point. weird political professional relationship that they've housed in a marriage. I mean, that's what's happening there. It wasn't gutsy. Mm. It was part of your deal. The only risk she had to assess was, is this going to hurt my husband's political chances if I leave him? And is it going to hurt my chances long term? I have zero belief that they're in a true loving marriage. They're you don't behave the way he has if you are, if you ha- are. <laughs> well, maybe you do. It's because she doesn't care. So like, there's no consequences. Why not? Apple Plus, by the way, that's Apple Plus. Apple, that's what oh, was. Good. They, they, App, Apple the Plus did that. Um, Barack Obama, Spotify and uh, Netflix. Uh, Meghan Markle, uh, I believe Spotify and yeah. Netflix, too. But she yeah. got bounced in Netflix, too. So all of these co- companies are just giving enormous advances to insufferable politicians and Meghan Markle, who yeah. is not a politician, but just insufferable. <laughs> like, it is incredible that? that, like, everyone gets upset about Joe Rogan. It's like, be a shitty politician and, you know, they'll give you 
50 million dollars to make shows that nobody like, wants to watch why well, and it, like the, the getting the daughter in there too it's like why would i listen to chelsea clinton about anything what does she know about anything other than being born into this enormous privileged family having mm. all sorts of buckets of money thrown at her and becoming a national figure for nothing she's done who gives a shit what she thinks about gutsy anybody <laughs> well it's gutsy to have the presumption that anyone would care about your privileged perspective <laughs> in a television show like this I'm, you know what make me the executive producer no 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 i have no shame none at no. all Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I respect Jenna Bush, by the way. Because she's like on TV and she's like, oh my God, these cupcakes are delicious. And that's like it, like in the morning. Like, fine, that's great. She's not like it's perfect. Here's the thing that's the role. about about black women. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Why are you Muslims in Georgia? Well, the cupcake thing was good. I like that. No. That was this time uh, Chelsea actually has to produce something. Didn't she get paid like two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year by NBC News yeah. to produce what six? some things that yeah. no one ever watched or listened to i, I mean do that. <laughs> yeah. i'll do it for exactly. half the money i will well, do that here, for half the money tomorrow I, I have learned from your podcast that um you do have musings on somebody who's a very famous figure not named mm. chelsea clinton but what? michael jackson oh, and yeah. i will never listen to the sh the song thriller the same way <laughs> what? again camille, thank you megan very much yes what you do camille oh actually they cut a clip <laughs> they cut a clip they we, we knew you were coming so we baked a cake here it is here's listen to this what it's supposed to be something evil's lurking in the dark and that the moonlight is yes like that almost stops your heart Oh, see, everybody home is like, there. yeah, we're in the fall. That's how he's you know, 12 that's years old. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm no, saying. Camille's like, no, you've been mishearing, misunderstanding. Lyrics. What yes. you tell me what what you think this, he's saying there. Thriller is a song about <laughs> intimacy. It is a song about sexual relations. And mm. in those particular lyrics, Michael Jackson is clearly singing about his genitals. Something <laughs> yes. spooks you in the dark. Yes, <laughs> that's what he's talking about. And you could follow this thread all the way mm -hmm. through the song. Even the voiceover by Vincent Price, very suggestive stuff. Yeah. I mean, they talk like the funk of 40,000 years. This is, he said, this is an extraordinary experience. It's, it's funky and sweaty <laughs> and gross. And, and also, you want to run, but you can't. You're a little afraid because you're not sure if you can. D don't worry, girl. Because you're you. 13. I got you. And, and it's really <laughs> He's a predator. He's a predator. <laughs> Um, so Wait, we yeah, need to I listen mean, again. We have to listen to it one more time. Now, yeah, understanding it's, it's also a great song. Can we play it, it again? Let's song. play it again on a great album. It's close to midnight. Mm -hmm. Something evil's lurking in the dark. <laughs> Him. Dear God, is that Michael Jackson in the bushes? He <laughs> almost stopped my heart. Sign of it, man. So when did this dawn on you? You were driving your car. What happened? How did this dawn I, on you? You know, I was sitting in an airport in New Orleans. I was actually just leaving a, a public radio conference where I did a debate on whether or not public radio was still relevant. And Guess which side he took. In the, <laughs> I was very, I was very kind and well received. And I, I, I think it was, um, there was a song from Thriller that came on, um, and I can't remember which one it was right now. Pyt. Uh, it might have been Pyt. It was something like that. But it brought like it was clear that everyone in the airport was a little more joyous in that moment. And I thought to myself, 
one, Thriller is an amazing album. Two, it is impossible to cancel this man. And three, mm-hmm. I started thinking about Thriller because I was like listening to the album again. And it just dawned on me that yeah. this was Michael Jackson's sexual healing. This was You're his sick man off the lights. <laughs> That's and- obviously what was going on here. And I just, I didn't know. I didn't also know. Also, four, it does not appear that he actually molested those two guys in that movie. No. This I mean, is, so, by the way, I think we're all in the same. Well, not, I can't wait to say Matt. I know Camille and I have talked about the, was it HBO movie? That, I think that, that's that right. Oh, documentary. Suspicious. Air, yes. Yeah. Very I don't suspicious. believe those two guys. I, I do not believe that. those two guys. They're, I, I don't know what happened in the rest of Michael's career, but I've looked enough at the, those two guys in their story that yeah. I, I do not believe them. Yes. But I will say, honestly, that I would be more inclined to believe them if Thriller was a really shitty album, but it's yes, not. Yes, that's true. So I <laughs> that's am true. more inclined to be like, oh, that's I don't true. Know. And I did want to I did want to raise a social justice issue a, or just a justice mm-hmm. issue. They're all the same mm-hmm. thing um, <laughs> that I mentioned on the show. Um, yes. Eddie Van Halen never got paid a nickel for his guitar solo on Beat It. And that <laughs> is a tragedy. Wait, Eddie Rest Van Halen peace. played on Beat It? What? Beat It is Megan the theme Kelly? of this episode. Take, take her. Yes. Yeah, in some people's lives. Um, you, you, did you literally just say that you didn't know Eddie Van Halen? No, I didn't know that. Did oh, not my know God. That. You call so yourself bad. a newswoman? That's I'm horrified at my own ignorance. Unbelievable. Not doing That's the best homework. part of the song, and he didn't get paid for it. Rest in peace, I, Michael Jackson yeah, and Eddie The vocals Why? don't matter. Someone no, would be fine without the vocals. Why you know. didn't he get paid for it? He was just a nice guy, and they asked him to. Quincy Jones asked him to come to the studio, and he was like, "All right." Came down, played the solo in one take, then left, and it was the biggest song on the planet for ten years, oh. and forgot to get paid. Oh so, no! Yeah, that's that, a true, your point uh, about uh, lyrics matter and the sing only the sing. That reminds me of this comedian who I saw once that uh, I don't remember where, but I, he did this bit about how he was playing his guitar during his act, and he was saying he was very good, but he was like, "I'll never make it." as a music, musician, because the lyrics matter. The lyrics matter, and I can't come mm. up with any good lyrics. And this has been proven to me time and time again. He's like, you know, I thought I was on my way up and I was gonna get, get more gigs and money was starting to come in. And then I realized, you know, I'll never be as great as like, are you going to Scarborough Fair? <laughs> Parsley, sage, rosemary. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? It's just a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics matter. <laughs> They're not they're not all that matters, apparently. Yeah. Well, we're well. gonna we're gonna have a debate on the Michael Jackson case very soon because Seriously? you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, we actually are we're gonna go there. I like to go to the place that hurts in case you guys weren't oh. aware. Yeah. <laughs> um and I really think HBO ought to be ashamed of itself for putting that on as a documentary and using Oprah once again with her, you know, sort of seal of approval oh. to to bless it without any challenging POVs. There wasn't an, they should have had somebody come out at the end to say Here's a problem with what you said. Here's a problem with what you said. A lawyer for the Jackson estate, maybe somebody to mm. push back on the, the problems in that documentary. Because there were some timeline issues. And I seem to remember one of the kids like was a, wanted to be a dancer in like his later shows uh, and then yes. was, like rejected it wasn't cast. Was, like, years afterwards. wasn't cast. Yes. And, you know, basic things that, as you know, Megan, in a court mm-hmm. of law, a defense attorney would bring up. And you would want to put into documentary to like, you know, at least be fair to the guy. It's way worse than that. It, it's so much more like that's the least of the sins of of that quote movie and in the quote documentary. And what they did was like here or there, they throw in like one fact that wasn't good for them, but they left out the huge giant 
credibility problems that I believe those guys had. So we'll get into that at some point in the not too distant future. Um, all right. So listen, you're go- you're back to school. We had this debate last week. Just just with Michael Knowles and he's very pro. I was neutral. Um, my friends at Sirius are very anti pumpkin spice latte. Where do you stand? Semi-fascism. <laughs> Semi-fascism. Not full-blown fascism. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not, not a fan. Not okay. Not no? a fan. No, no. no. I, I, like ever or just too soon? Never. I like mean, in general. Yeah, I'm. I'm a matcha. I'm a matcha uh, chai tea latte guy. Wow, what a combination! It's never worked for me. Never worked. <laughs> it's fancy. So yeah. that you, always with oat You could cross well. over. I learned that in Brooklyn. Oh wow. Yeah, what I just sit in my UGG boots uh, drinking uh, <laughs> pumpkin spice lattes and <laughs> and reading O Magazine. Does this still exist? O Magazine? Is that, is that a real thing? Watching Bravo. Watching Bravo <laughs> weeping and wondering what's happened to the real housewives. Who I saw one of whom the other day in a uh, yogurt store. And oh, nice. she, uh, Matt, Matt Wells, suspiciously one. quiet. Most fam- suspiciously quiet. Why one. is that? Uh, why? I don't uh, know. I just I should have talked to her. But uh, I couldn't, I, she looked very strange and I was like, oh no. But yeah, pumpkin spice lattes for uh, communists and fascists. I'm uh, happy that American free market capitalism has granted us enough choice to throw up all kinds of horrible ideological in any way, shape or form. Starbucks is not. I have favorite. never had one. And this is this is the fall. I'm going to have one. I'm going to drink it right here live in the air. And we're going to oh. get it. Uh, we'll, we'll have you come back. Maybe you, all four of us can do it together at the yes. same time and <laughs> see if it changes okay, our well, opinions. No matcha. Yes. All right, guys. Commentary. All right. What a pleasure. As always, Matt, Michael, Camille, to be continued. Thank you, Megan. Don't forget, go subscribe to them at wethefifth.substack.com. Don't miss the show tomorrow. We have James O'Keefe and Larry Elder. That'll be a fun one. Download the show in the meantime on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, and Stitcher. Go to youtube.com slash Megan Kelly, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.